Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So last week, guys, I'm going to jump right in so I don't keep you till 1 o'clock. We won't be in here till 1 o'clock anyway, but uh, we've been talking about the, the, important of, the importance of connection. That connection is really what is our life source. It w- it's what keeps us healthy. It's, it's God's specific plan to allow us to connect with other people. You know, so, so when we talk about connection, last week we talked about the most important connection that you can have, and that's the connection that each of us have, have with God. Most important connection. You say, well, what about me and my wife? First and foremost, I know it was just Valentine's Day, but God wants to be number one in your life. You hear that? And I, because I know that's the struggle, you know, family or kids or whatever, they are, some, they are fighting for that place that only God is supposed to have in our lives. But you want to know how to make your wife, your spouse, your friends the most satisfied with you as a person? Put God in the throne of your life. Don't allow anything else to sit that place. So the, the greatest connection that we have is with God first and foremost. So when we have a great spiritual connection with God, it'll cause all of our other relational connections uh, with others to be fruitful. When God is not in the picture, it's going to cause all of those relationships to struggle a little bit. You know, we're going to be a little bit more on edge. Our emotions sometimes can get the best of us. And uh, usually when I, when I start having relational problems with other people, it, I usually look back and say, well, have I been in a good relationship with God? And when those relationships are faltering, usually my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. I'm not spending time praying. I'm not spending time in the Word. I'm not focusing on putting God as the first priority. But when God is the first priority, all of those other relationships, uh, they will be fruitful. Okay, so connection has always been a part of God's plan between us and Him. He desires us to connect with other people also. Okay? We covered that a good bit last week also. So today we're going to look at the importance of our church connection. Why is church such a big deal? Why should I attend church? Why is just sitting on my couch on a Sunday morning watching something on TV, why is that not good enough? Because God had this awesome plan to establish the local church where we could come and fellowship with each other with somebody to my left and somebody to my right. Okay? You know, I made this joke last year talking about fellowship, you know, community, all of these things that God puts together. Never once have I heard anybody sitting there watching a TV show at the end of that sermon and look to his left and look to his right and say, man, this was great fellowship. It's not. You know, you're not getting that, that fellowship part of what church culture and church connection offers. Fellowship is a relationship. It's somebody shaking your hand. It's somebody hugging your neck. You know, somebody smiling at you. It's, it's somebody encouraging you. It is the life source of God's specific plan for us to live good, godly, healthy lives. Okay? So the Greek word for church means the called out ones. Okay, so that, so that, that, talk, that's, that kind of differentiates who are we talking about, the called out ones, those who have a relationship with the Lord. Okay, because we need to understand also that the church is not a building. The church building is where the church meets, but it is not the church. Okay, the church consists of all believers, those that have a relationship with the Lord, the called out ones. So we have to understand that when we talk about the church, Christ is both the foundation 
In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no one can lay again the foundation, the other, uh, another one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we know that Christ is the foundation of the church, and He is the head. Ephesians 5.23 says, Christ is the head of the church. Okay, so we know that, you know, that Jesus Christ, He is the ultimate authority of the church. He is the foundation of the church. He is the head of the church. So the church should look Christ-like. You understand that? It should look Christ-like, but that is the foundation. It's not, it's not how good Pastor Noe and Pastor Becky are, but it's, it's how good God is. Because what that offers us is unlimited potential. Because where my potential stops, it would fall short of God's potential for each of us and what He can do and what He wants to do in and through us. But if Christ is the focal point, if He is the foundation of this church, the church will succeed. Every single time. So we're built for relationships, and it's healthy for us to have quality friendships with others in our lives, and the church is a great place to help with that. I know sometimes the best things we can do when we're in a bad place or maybe we just you know, have been disconnecting from people is just to come to church. I know one thing the enemy strives to do when you've been having a hard time, the first thing he wants you to do is to skip church. He doesn't want you being encouraged because perhaps you come around and you encounter somebody that really is serious and they ask you, say, hey, how's it going? And let's just say you're transparent enough to really tell them. And then they encourage you and your life completely changes. And then you leave encouraged rather than discouraged. And you have totally trumped the plan of the enemy for your life. Because that's what the church system is supposed to do. It's supposed to encourage. You know, if you leave this place and you are more discouraged than when you came, we are doing something wrong. You know, because I even believe even in worship, we encounter the presence of God and forever are changed. In the presence of God, something has to change, and it's not God that changes. We tend to have to change. We have to deal with something, or, or we see the love of God maybe in a new way. We see the acceptance of God in maybe a new way. You know, we are just encouraged as we worship and give God the glory that He is only deserving of. Okay? So we're built for relationships, and it is, uh, it is healthy for us to have quality friendships with others in our lives, okay? Proverbs 18.24 in the New King James Version says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. This is the number one formula for church success. If you want to have a lot of friends, be friendly. I, I know the biggest thing is, you know, we see people sometimes, they just sit there, you know. We know I know some people love the meet and greet time. Some people hate it. They're like, man, let this be over with and let's get on with it. I'm not a people person. But I am hoping that it causes people to get out of their comfort zone and at least connect with someone at least once. The whole coffee spot, the showing up for fellowship before the church, that has nothing to do with, it does have to do with spiritual things, but the whole focus of that is fellowship. It's connecting with people. There's been a few people that I've talked to. uh, They visited once, they didn't come back and I talk to them later and they tell me, says, you know, when I went, nobody talked to me or I didn't connect with anybody. And I kind of take a step back and I said, did you visit the right church? Because I feel like the dynamic of our church is a connected. We, we try to pay attention to new people. I try to get out and at least introduce myself to you. Maybe we won't have a real close conversation, but I try to say, hey, I'm the pastor, man. Great to have you. You know, and it's at least a start of a connection. Because we believe that a church is supposed to be a place where there's fellowship, there's connection, there's opportunity for fellowship, and, and it's, it's that church connection that God desires the church to be. You know, I hope that we're not a church that just doesn't like everybody. 
It's like, man, I'm, just, I'm glad they got coffee because that's all I like about this church. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, hopefully that's not the root of, of what our church is. But, you know, you, know, you, you talk with, it, with a gentleman or whatever and you find something, a common interest. And then that next week you say, hey, man, how did it go? You know, are you watching sports or hunters or whatever it is or jobs or professions? You know, that you find you, in, this, in relationship you find common interest or things that, that, uh, that you have in common. And those relationships begin to grow and they begin to blossom. And it begins to change who you are week by week. So you got to be friendly to have a lot of friends. So one of the systems that was in the heart of God when he thought of, of connection, you know, that, that, there, that he must have the local church. So the church is not the building where we meet weekly, but it's the people who have a relationship with God. It's a joining together of fellow believers we look at the passage, Matthew 16, 13 through 19, it talks about where Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi and the disciple, and he asked the disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? Okay, so they reply, they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still some others say Jeremiah and a prophet. And then verse 15, he says, but what about you? He's asking the disciples, he's asking the church, he's asking those that have a relationship with him. He says, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter answers, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus replies, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And in verse 18, this is the focus of what we really want to look at today. It says, and I tell you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will also be loosed in heaven. You know, so he says, you know, in, the, in that word, he says, you know, on this, I will build my church. You know, that word, the name Peter, it actually means Petra, which means small rock. But what he was talking about was the foundation stone. He was not referring to that the church would be built on Peter, but that the church would be built on the foundation stone, the main rock, who is who? Christ. We already established that, that he is the foundation. He is the head. You know, it's not to get confused, but the disciples had influence in the church in establishing the church, but the foundation was always on Christ. So when we look at that passage, man, it, it, when he says what the church is, he will build what? Whose church? My church. So th there's a, there is a personal investment from Christ in this. It's not just about us. It's about his kingdom ruling and reigning here on the earth. He says, I will build my church. And what authority does he give it? He says, the, the gates of hell will not overtake it. They'll not overcome it. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, but I will also give you the, king, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Who wants the keys to the kingdom of heaven at your disposal? Well, Jesus said, I release those to the church. And hell will have no authority in the life of the church. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. Y'all know what binding and loosing means? Things that maybe have caused you issues, we loose it and then we bind it and send it to hell where it belongs, okay? We have to understand that this authority that Christ had, he also gave to us as the church. He didn't say that he just gave this authority to me as the pastor of the church, but he gave this authority to the church. He said it was my church upon him as the rock. Will he establish it? So he's given it to the church. So the church is made up of people who are full of authority and power given by Jesus himself. 
So I think when you come to a service or, you, or we, we gather together as the church, expect great things. Don't show up and be like, well, it's Sunday. My favorite ball club's playing today, but I'm at church. You know, come expecting, come excited. You know, I hope that Sundays are one of your most favorite days of the week. You know, where you're thinking, man, I can't wait. You know, I know, I know, what is the thoughts? Man, I, I can't wait till Friday. Let's shift that to say, man, I can't wait for Sunday. You know, where, where anything can happen, where it is the highlight of my week because we get to come and we get to encounter the presence of the living God corporately as a church connection. Because there's something that happens, guys, when we get together corporately that is different from when we just meet with God in our, you know, in our closet or in our homes or where we're by ourselves. There's something that God does differently amongst the corporate congregation that you will never get by yourself. Otherwise, there would be nobody here and everybody would be satisfied staying at home and getting everything they need. Now, we talked about last week, and I'm just going to touch on this just for a moment. How do we... How do we catapult our services? How do we make sure that our services are great? Is by having a personal relationship connection with God. If each of you throughout the week are pursuing the presence of God or in, in relationship with God and throughout the week you are just cultivating that strong relationship with God, when we come together corporately, I think we can come with an expectant heart that says, man, there is nothing our God can't do in this place. Well, pastor, you mean the healing can happen? Yeah. You mean deliverance can happen? Yeah, because he said binding and loosing. He says the gates of hell would not overtake it. But the enemy wants us to think otherwise. He wants to think of a powerless church. He wants us to think that we are defeated and we are weak, and that is so far from the truth. He wants us, he want, the enemy wants us to believe that we're powerless. There are times, guys, that we are weak, but the spirit that lives within us is always strong. Do you hear that? There's times that we feel weak, but the spirit within us is always strong. Second Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. These are all strong characteristic traits. None of these are mamsy-pamsy traits. Power, love, and self-control. Even if he just gave us power, that would be very efficient. But he gave us the ability to love each other. And he also gave us the ability to be self-controlled, to say yes to what we want to say yes to and no to what we want to say no to. That's what the Spirit of God is. But if we look at addiction or we look at strongholds, a stronghold and addiction does not allow us to dictate what we want to do. It forces us to do something. But when the Spirit of God comes in, it gives us the authority and the right to be able to say no to the things we need to say no to and yes to the things we need to say yes to. Do you realize that? That's the power that's at work in us. So you say, well, no, well, what about, you fill in the blank, this thing? It says a spirit of self-discipline, of self-control, that God can release that power within you and release it to where those issues are never issues again. We combine those things in Jesus' name and loose them off of your life by the power of God. But it's not what we do, but when we come together corporately, that's what can happen. I know there's times that we open up the altar, and sometimes there's a response, sometimes there's not, but what I want you to realize is there is never a Sunday that God is off duty. 
Now, I know sometimes some of you show up on a Sunday morning and we don't even got to call you up to the altar. During worship, you make your way forward and you're, you're, you're determined to get some work done with God. But what I'm telling you is when we open up that altar, the power of God is available to us as the, as the church connects. And he releases his power and his authority here on the earth. He gives us the keys to hell that we can, that we can, we can bind all of those things and they would have no authority over us. But we have to believe it and receive it and respond to it sometimes. So the spirit that's inside of us is the life and breath of Christ and is so powerful within us. 1 Peter 2.5, it says, All, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we got to understand that we are the building of God when we all interlink together. When we all come together and we are built up. You know, one stone is insignificant, right? But when those stones are interlocked together and they're woven together in the dynamic of the church connection, it accomplishes a lot more than it can on its own. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. I know we just came out of uh, Valentine's Day and, you know, a lot of this passage is often used in regards for weddings and, and different things like that. But let's look at that passage real quick. I'm going to read through it and then I'm just going to give you some quick highlights. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Give me a second just to get there. Ephesians 5. 22 through 33. So I'm going to read through it really quick, and then I'm just going to highlight some things. But you're going to hear this where it says husbands and wives, and then it says Jesus says the church and all of these things. So I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to go back and highlight what he says the church is or how Jesus sees the church. Okay, starting in verse 22 of chapter 5 of Ephesians. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for your husband is the, is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 25, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Okay? So we can stop right there. So, so when we talk about this, he is referencing the church. So when we break those things down, Christ loving the church like a bride, that, 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 is, that is the context. But, but he, man, he is throwing a double-edged sword to the church, but also to the husbands and wives. Because he's establishing that the order of the church should be just the same representation as a husband to a wife. And the relationship of the husband and the wife should also reflect the life of the church. Okay, so if we look at these, these passages, this is what it says. It says, Christ is the head of the church, just like the husband is head of the wife. Okay, guys, you, you need me to go through all these or are you going to go back and read it later? Okay, so let me just focus on where it talks about the church side, but no, for husbands and wives, if you've never read this, I would encourage you guys as a couple, read through this and, and really break down what it is saying and how that applies to you personally. 
Best marriage advice I can give you, don't point out what your wife needs to apply. Say, hey, oh, this is what I need to do. <laughs> and, then, and then when it's her turn to read, just slide it over. Slide over and she can read her part, right? So it says that Christ is the head of the church. Okay, the church is to be submitted to Christ. So who does that, who does that refer to? Everyone. That means pastor, that means elder, that means deacon, that means apostle. It doesn't matter. We are all submitted to Christ. Christ loves the church and he gives himself up for her. So Christ cleans the church and washes uh, the church through his word and causes us to be radiant. This is how he sees the church. This is what he causes us to look like. He causes us to be radiant without stain or wrinkle or any blemish. Holy and blameless is what he is making the church. So we are all members of the body of Christ, and that's what makes up the church. We have to realize that everyone present over the face of the earth is part of the body of Christ. So the moment we criticize or we tear down the local church next to us or another church that's a different denomination, do you know how offensive that is to God? Because it's not just Harvest Time Church. His body is global. It's all over the face of the earth. So when it says, you know, nobody hates his body but takes care of it, it's the same thing. I don't care what denomination it is, but it's to those who have a relationship with Christ. That's who we're talking about, who is the body of Christ. So it says the, the body of Christ, that makes up the church, so he feeds and cares for the church. Okay? I know I've been guilty of that before, just thinking, oh, well, that church must be doing it wrong because they're not a non-denominational church. Oh, well, they're Baptist. They're Methodist. We, we do that, guys, and we don't realize it sometimes. There are denominational barriers in place that the enemy wants to use to destroy the church as a whole. So we need to pray for the other churches all over the face of the earth, just like we pray for our church. When we pray, let's, not, let's try to not pray selfish prayers. Let's try to pray, pray kingdom prayers that say, God, I pray that your whole church would be made right and blameless and spotless, that the same authority that we're talking about this morning, that, that that authority would be released in all of the churches, because that's what's most important. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. read this so we can get it kind of in context. Starting in verse 19, it says that, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So we see the same thing. The, whose authority over the house of God? Jesus is. We see this continually reiterated all through Scripture. Verse 22, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In verse 24, here's where it gets a little personal. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25, Let us not give up meeting together. As some of you are in the habit of doing, let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. You know, I think it's funny because when he wrote, when this passage was written, 
they had the same issues we have today. They're just different, okay? It's just a different time frame. But, the, but they still had the same issues of people choosing not to continue to meet together. That was an issue then also. It was something that people just were, were, were separated. But it says, how can we continually spur one another on? How can we encourage someone? You know, I think if we would come on a Sunday morning and we would all look for opportunities to encourage each other, man, it would be so healthy and fruitful. Rather than just saying, well, let me tell you about my week. And Oh, man, it's pretty rough. Are you over it now? No, I'm not. And you just pick it back up. It doesn't even help anything. Because you're just throwing it out there, right? You know, now if you're going to get over it and you're wanting to deal with it, I'll listen to whatever you have to say, but don't pick up the same offense and, and walk back out the door with it. You know, because when we say let's encourage each other, where we would encourage you say, hey, man, it sounds like you got a heart issue with that. You okay? No, I'm not. Well, what you going to do about it? Well, I don't want to do nothing about it. Well, God wants you to do something about it, right? You know, and just we encourage each other how, how, to, how to get past these things, how to get over these things. But also, I think also that we might share those things, good things that God is doing in our lives, that it might encourage others, that it might, that it might cause us to be all that, that God has called us to be. But let us come in confidently into the, to this holy place through the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the blood of Jesus Christ is what gets us all on level playing field. It really doesn't matter how good or how bad you were this week. It's the blood of Christ that makes us all to have the ability to come as spotless brides. But how many of us still secretly keep a tally? So, oh, I know what you did this week, buddy. <laughs> X. Oh, you're pretty good. I'll give you a check. This, you know, we, we, are, we, we, we secretly have this merit system where if I have a good week, God will accept me. Well, if I had a bad week, man, I don't even know if I can go to church because God surely wouldn't love me like that. By the blood of Christ, it allows us to come in. Spotless, cleansed, whole. That's what he says. He says, he says, I am making my church, I am washing of the word, spotless and clean and worthy to come in. So the corporate church, we have to realize, guys, it, 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 is, it is global. It's not a denominational thing. Okay? Look at Acts 4, chapter 12. It says, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. What this is saying is Jesus is the only way. So when we talk about the body of Christ, when we talk about, you know, because I know nowadays in today's culture, when we use the word God, we got to make sure we know what God we're referring to. The God of myself, the God of whatever, the God of, you know, Islam, the God of like whatever, you know, there, there are multiple gods in the world. So when we talk about the body of Christ, it is those who believe in Jesus Christ. There is no other way given to man under heaven by which man can be saved. So when we say, who is the body of Christ? You know, I mean, I think that's why they, they ask sometimes, so what, to, to what did you believe? Well, I believed in Jesus. Okay, well, man, you're for us. You're not against us. Now, there are some churches that don't believe, you know, that they're, the, you know, through Jesus is the only way. And then I would probably say that those people are not part of the body of Christ. But as long as they're a part of the same church community, we're all the body of Christ. So that's the only thing, really, guys, that I see that defines the lines between when we say who is part of the family of God and who is not. 
To whom have you believed? Looking at that verse 11 of Acts 4 also it says, He is the stone the builders rejected. He has now become the capstone, the main stone, the, the foundation boulder of our faith. Jesus who was despised and rejected by men. If you look through that whole thing, starting in verse 8, you know, it's, it says, you know, if, if start, well, starting in verse 9, it says, if we are being called to account today for the acts of kindness shown to this crippled, there was a healing that happened. It says, and you ask us how he was healed. Verse 10, he says, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man still now stands healed. They were very clear. He says, the one you rejected is the one that now stands king over all the earth. And there's no other way to be saved except through Jesus. It's very, very clear. <clears throat> so when we know what the church is made up of, that it's made up of many denominations, you know, and that, you know, our ultimate goal is to connect to a local church personally, okay? A powerful church is a un unified church. Do you guys realize that? You know, we can be all in the same building, but we can be dis we can be in discord. We can be dis we can be we can be living in non-unity. Okay, you know, in Romans fifteen five, it says, "May the God who gave you endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus." Verse six. It says, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify your God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May he give us a spirit of unity that we might live united with one another. Psalms 133, this is one of my favorite psalms. It talks about the unity of Christ. It says, how good and pleasant it is when we live together in unity. It says that it is there that God bestows or he commands his blessing. So let's start breaking this down. When we live united, when we stay together, when we see the church for what it really is, he, he, gives us, he gives us the keys to hell and the grave. He gives us the authority to, to lose and to bind all spiritual forces. He, he bestows every spiritual blessing. He calls us the head and not the tail. He causes sickness to, to leave. He causes prosperity to happen. So when we begin to see all of these things why would you not want to be a part of a church community like that? Perspective. You have not yet seen the value or you not, have not yet seen the benefits, but it's because the church is not living up to the expectation of the word, what the Word says. doesn't mean that the blessings and the benefits aren't there, but it's how you think your perspective. What are you anticipating? What are you expecting? I'm, I'm mindful and thinking about the, the lady with the issue of blood. It says that she had been bleeding for years and years and years. And she said, Jesus began to walk through the crowd and she had made up in her mind, if I just reach out and I just touch the edge of his garment, I will be healed. Did she crawl? Did she fight? How did, how did she get there? We don't know. But it says the moment that she touched it, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples laughed. They said, man, what do you mean? There's people all around you. There's tons of people touching Jesus. No, something different happened. So just because you touch Jesus doesn't mean you always get the results as when you touch him in faith. When you reach out to him in faith. They all touched him. You know, and I, I don't know how many were walking by. I was like, oh, I'm like Jesus now. I'm like Jesus now. And they had no change. 
because faith was not there to, 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 for that to be released. And I think that's the thing, that faith will begin to activate these things, to believe God at His Word. I think as a church, if we just begin to stand on the promises of God, we're going to be doing okay. Much less all the other stuff that we try to figure out as far as how churches should be run, what we should do, all of these things. If we would just start taking God at His promises and proclaiming them over the church and receiving those things and expecting those things, perhaps God would begin to release those things in the house. But he commands his blessing, he bestows his blessing on those who live in unity. So today, we're going to look at four things using, using the word FAST as an acronym that I really believe that, that they can cause us to, to connect better as, our, as a local church and become all that God has called us to be, okay? So we're going to look at four things. So number one, and this is on the back of your announcement sheet, if you want to write the words out, you can, but the first word is faithful, Keys to church connection. Pastor Jim mentioned that this morning. He says, one of the biggest things that the church lacks is faithfulness. Okay? So number one, faith, faithful, being faithful. Matthew 25, 32, you know, it says that, you know, at the end, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. God expects faithfulness. You know, I don't, think, I don't think God is necessarily pleased with those who just kind of get by by the skin of their teeth. He wants faithfulness. He wants consistency, okay? When we look at the word faithful, the, the, word, the definition of faithful is loyal, constant, and steadfast, okay? So this is all about consistency and trustworthiness. It's knowing that you can be depended on. So when we talk about church connection, those who we, you know, who we put in maybe positions in the church or big responsibilities in the church, they have to be pe people who are faithful. You know, if I wasn't faithful, let's say I just, I'm not faithful, I'm not going to show up this morning, man, y'all would be scratching your heads, say, well, who's preaching today? I don't know. Let's just decide, let's just decide that one Sunday, I decide not to be faithful anymore. Pastor Noah, where are you at? Oh, I'm fishing. What? Who's preaching? I don't know. No loyalty, no consistency, no steadfastness, not a big deal. You would, how many of you would say that would be completely unacceptable of you, Pastor? How many of you would say that? Okay, let's reverse the question since y'all want to tell me what unfaithful is. Huh. Like, I didn't mean to raise my hand. I was just playing. So let's reverse it. What does faithful look like for the church? It's okay for me to be faithful and for me to be here and... You know, I was up here this weekend, and, and I text Cecily because we hooked up the, the, to boost this, the cell phones. I was super excited. And Cecily's like, what are you doing at the church? You're supposed to be at home. I said, faithful, baby. So what I'm doing, you know, we're faithful. We're here. It's important to us. We're going to be here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. If I'm not here, somebody's going to be preaching, and I'm going to plan ahead. But what does that look like for you as the church? Like, man, this is a loaded question. Y'all were so quick to raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, I would be mad if you weren't here and you just didn't. Yeah, okay. I'll give y'all grace when I don't see y'all next week. <laughs> Where you at? Well, uh, you see, it's different, Pastor. Okay. Let the Lord show you what, what faithfulness looks like, right? So it, it's about doing what you say you're going to do. You know, one thing that I support in this church, and, and, and listen to this statement, I ask for 100% commitment to what you commit to. You're like, well, pastor, I can only be there once a month. Then be there every month, that one time a month. 
100% commitment to what you can commit to. I didn't say 100% commitment because even I want a day off every now and then. I don't want to be here where it's just I put a cot in the back and I never leave. That's not my heart either. But I think having that faithfulness, that, that commitment, that consistency, that loyalty, okay? You know, this is something that is proven over the course of time. How many of you uh, have ever seen somebody maybe at a workplace or someone says, oh, I'm faithful. I'll be there every time. You Man, I won't ever call in. <laughs> time will tell. It's something that has to be proven over time. Great people are faithful. And I really believe that that is one of, that is one of the first things that causes a, a healthy church connection is a church full of faithful people. Week by week, month by month, year after year, season after season. You know, just because a season changes doesn't mean that you tap out and you're not faithful anymore. It just re- means you redirect your focus and you are still consistently faithful. So the number one is faithful. Number two, available. Okay, so we're filling out the acronym for FAST. So in our church, we're looking for FAST people, okay? So available. So the definition of available is, is not otherwise occupied or free to do something. So do you guys know that excessive busyness will kill your availability? I know a lot of people said, man, I would love to do that and get plugged into that or do that, but I just can't because I'm too busy. We hear it all, we hear it all the time. You know, but do, do any of us do anything about it, right? You know, we just continue to take more on our plate, more on our plate. Man, I have been thoroughly impressed with a few of our leaders that said, you know what? I got to quit doing this and I'm going to focus on this. Praise God for that. You know, you're stretching yourself so thin. You need to, we call it, we call it specializing instead of generalizing. But that's shifting from a smaller church mentality to a bigger church mentality. I want to focus on one thing really, really well rather than a whole bunch of things really, really poorly. You hear that? That's, that's, that's the difference. We focus on one thing we're really, really good at, and we focus on that, and we do a great job at that. But it's, uh, it's being, uh, being available, f- focusing on one thing. Um, available, it's exactly what it, what it says, being available. It's being there, be, being around, okay? You know, we, we make time for the things we value, and our church connection should be a priority. I'm going to say that boldly. Our church connection should be a priority, okay? It's something that we should do. Okay, so this doesn't mean that we don't do other things outside of church, but ask God how much we should be committed to and what we should be committed to. I know uh, I don't always let my kids do everything that they want to do. But I do want them doing some things. I don't want them being lazy. I don't want them just sitting around, you know, technology all the time. It's like, what are you doing? Get outside and play. Or, you know, I want them to be connected and committed to some things, but we try to choose what we want them to be committed to. So this is a quote by Carrie Ten Boom. It says, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. Think, think about that. You might be, man, I've dealt with things. You know, my life's pretty good, but are you super busy? Where you're so busy, you can be very little used in the kingdom of God. That's the plan of the enemy, too. He's going to distract you. He's going to um, kind of entice you to get, to get focused on something else. So available, also available for relationships among church members. Are you spending time together outside of church functions? You know, I hope that there's enough time in a day and in a week that, you know, we're able to fellowship and actually 
connect as a church. You know, as the body of Christ, it's more than just on Sundays. Okay? So availability. That's something that's... So, so faithfulness, being faithful, and being available. Number three. This is what you want to have, you know, a keys to church connection. Submitted. All right, now don't check out. I know this... Is, submitted is a hard word. People, some people don't like it, but maybe it's because there is a lack of understanding of what submitted really means. Okay? Ephesians 5.21. You say, well, Pastor, you better give me a scripture if you're going to ask me to do it. Ephesians 5.21, it says, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says submit to one another. But all that also means we're submitting to Christ also, because some of you might say, well, I'll submit to Christ, but I'm not submitting to anyone. To submit to one another out of reference for Christ. So the definition of submitted, it says, is to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. I know that's hard because we have to trust that that person has our best interest in mind or that, you know, like I think when we talk about submitting to someone, um, Submission, like I said, is a hard concept unless we see it in the light of a spirit of a spiritual covering that it offers. Because I want I want to focus on this. You know, I'm not talking about husbands and wives. It's like I'm talking about in the life of the church connection. Why is submission so important? Church submission allows you to fall under an umbrella of covering, of protection under the spiritual covering of the church. How the church should function under this umbrella of submission and protection. If the, if the devil's going to get to you, he's going to have to go through me, the elders, and the church leadership before he even touches you. And we're standing our ground. So it provides protection by, by submitting under those areas of authority. Now, you can at any time get out of that umbrella and move to the left and move to the right, and you will not be under that spiritual covering anymore. But we are not forcing you to do that. But what God has allowed us to do when we submit to those areas of authority, it, it allows that spiritual covering that protects us. So this is about submitting yourself under the leadership of the church. Okay, do we trust and do we allow the church leadership to speak into our lives? You know, when I get to a certain part in the message and I say something you don't like, do we kind of do that? No, 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 I don't want to hear that. I'm going to totally ignore that. I don't want to hear that part. Or do I really take it as, man, Pastor Noe loves me. He wants me to be all that I can for Christ. Man, that's a super hard word, but I needed to hear that. And then ask the grace of God to help you walk through and do something with it. Because ultimately, that's my heart, right? You know, do we allow leadership to speak into our lives? So submission to authority, it allows you to be protected from the attacks of the enemy, just like an umbrella protects you from the rain. You ever seen somebody run in the rain that doesn't have an umbrella? You're like, you should have got your umbrella. They're drenched. Yeah, I remember at work, we used to have to walk so far. If you forgot your umbrella, it was game over. I mean, you're, you're drenched. You know, you'd sit there and wait for the rain to stop, but when it's not going to stop, it's hopeless. But that umbrella, it just really protects you. So a true heart of submission is revealed when you're asked to do something that you really don't necessarily want to do. All submission's real easy when it's something you want to do. But it's hard when you're asked to do something you don't want to do. So it's about doing something because you were asked, not because you want to. So uh, you ever seen a kid get really, really mad? You got that picture? 
So if I give my child an instruction and I say, hey, you need to sit down. Well, some kids will sit down. Have you ever heard the saying, hey, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And, and I mean, you're just full, full of anger and whatever. You know, is that, tr- that that's, to me, that's not true submission. That's obedience, but it's not submission. Submission is doing it because I want to and because I choose to, not because I have to. And I was looking at this article. It says, submission, however, is anticipating what is wanted or needed and doing it before being told. So you got two ways. You got this way. I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You ever been there, done that? Oh, this boss, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're lucky you're my boss. Like, you know, but in the inside, well, if you could have your way and you didn't care about getting fired... Oh, you'd stand up, right? So you have this response, or listen to this response, anticipating what is wanted or needed needed, and doing it before being told. That's, that's, and if I got up in the morning, my kids were doing what they were supposed to before I told them, I think I woke, woke up in the wrong house. <laughs> Samuel, get your blanket up, pick up your shoes. What are you doing? You know, ah, you know, dad's up. Cleaning the house, right? You know, getting all the kids moving and stuff. But if I just woke up and they started doing it, that is true submission. They already know my heart. They already know what pleases me. And they already try to do it because they want, they already know what's expected. Okay? Do we, do we have a willing heart, ultimately understanding that all authority in the church has been established under God's supreme authority? So when we submit to authority, we're really submitting to God. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from that is all that authority God has placed. Um, I think godly submission and godly leadership is going to be healthy on both fronts. I mean, I, I shouldn't have to be like, hey, forcing you to like, you know, grabbing you by the shirt. Ah, submit. Come on, man. I, that's not healthy for me. That's going to make the devil come out of me. And it's not going to help you. Oh, you think I'm going to submit now? We're going to have a brawl in the parking lot. Make the front page of Facebook, man. Harvest Time Church, pastor and elder, get in it. And some kid got his phone and he got the whole video. So that's the day and age we live in. But, you know, there, there's, there's a healthy submission to, to authority and we all submit to someone. I mean, don't use the excuse, well, pastor, no, you don't submit it to anybody. Yeah, I submit to God directly and that scares me more. Because at least if I just do what authority's telling me to do, if authority messes up, there's, that's their fault. But if I mess it up, I'm messing up what God has asked me to do for the life of the church. You know, so having, having those layers of, of authority and protection within place, they protect me. But I have to believe that those are God-instilled, that those are God-positioned places within the church. When we release Lonnie and Carrie, when we set Pastor Jim and Sharon in, those are specific placed authorities that God will function and use in the life of the church, okay? Number four, teachable. This is a big one, all right? So the definition of teachable is the ability to learn by being taught. So do you allow yourself to be taught by others? One of the biggest things that will uh, cause this not to happen is the I know everything mentality. You ever met one of those people? Oh, you ain't got to tell me what to do. I know how to do this. 
and they fail miserably. Oh, you knew, huh? You know, I remember at jobs, new jobs, we'd get new employees, and it's like, oh, I know how to do this. It's like, all right, do it. It's like, well, I don't know how to, oh, you know, so you don't know how to do it. But I think that that's one of the biggest things, that thinking I know it all, that prideful, that arrogantness, maybe, you know, that, that teachability. You know, um, when we look at the word, you know, that be, be the ability of being taught. You know, this is a two, this is a two-way street when we talk about, you know, uh, having an open heart, an open mind, receiving from others, and a willingness to learn. Um, this is a giving and taking. I hope just as much as you're teaching, you're learning. You know, I don't always say this, but man, you know, when I'm teaching, I'm learning stuff too. When we work through something with a family or we go through something, man, I learn just as much as they learn. Hopefully I didn't mess a lot of stuff up along with, but I am consistently learning. You know, I do not ever say, say, oh, my, my teachableness can stop now because I have arrived. That should, ne- that should never be the place we get to. It's prideful and arrogant, okay? You know, or even saying, you know, oh, well, I've done this X number of years, so therefore, come on. You think that's a good attitude? You think your heart is right? Man, that's, that's really, really ugly. That can kill church connection, right? So we want faithful people. We want available people. We want submitted people, and we want teachable people. I'll tell you what, if, if you have all four of those those characteristics in your life on a regular basis, you will thrive in the life of the church. If you have one of them missing, it may disqualify you from thriving in the life of the church. There's none of those that I can take away because think about it. If I go through those, if I say, you know, man, I'm faithful, pastor. Well, let's say you're not available. Well, if you're not available, you can never be faithful because you're never there. Well, let's say you're, you're available, but you're not faithful. Man, I'd rather people be faithful once a month than available every week and not faithful. I got to have both, right? When I talk, when I talk about being submitted, and we just say, "Hey, mind taking care of this?" Man, absolutely, I'm here to serve. Man, that's the heart we want, you know. Like, you know, and I hope that we cultivate that from a young age. I hope with our children, we're learning well and ownership, and you know, just we're teaching to where that is just something we're not going to have to reteach later. If an, if, you, know, you know, it used to be like that. If an adult told you something, it didn't matter if you wanted to do it or not. But we're getting to this place of where it's, you can do what you want, and it's a bad method of teaching. And the reason being is because we all have to submit to some type of authority. So faithful, available, submitted, and teachable. Am I positioning myself in a way to learn more? So in closing... Asking you the question, will you strive to be faithful, available, submitted, and teachable? Will you strive to do those things? Will you evaluate maybe some of those areas that you need some more of God's grace in your life in? Ultimately, the best way to build a a good church connection is by serving one another and realizing we are all on the same team. And it really, really doesn't matter who leads what as long as we're all going to the same destination, guys. For me, it's never been about position. There are times that I still say, God, are you sure I can lead this church? And Lord, if there is anybody else that's supposed to be in this position, show me that and I will get out of the way so this church can thrive. But I'm concerned about the church reaching the destination together more so than I am about the position I'm in to get there. Because one thing I know... 
as long as Christ is the head of this church, we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Just in case some of you are wondering about how to be greatest, share this with you. It says, whoever wants to become great among you, anybody here? You must, must be your servant. Oh, wait a minute. That isn't what I thought was going to happen, right? And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve but to serve and to give his life up as a ransom for many. We serve because he served, guys. That's what it's all about. We love because he's loved us. We have to have the same characteristics of that of Christ flowing and functioning in our lives and in the lives of a church if we're going to have a healthy church connection. Amen? Amen. You guys stand up with me. We'll close. So what are the four without cheating or looking? Faithful. Available. Submitted. Teachable. Did any of you intentionally skip one of those because you didn't want to hear it? Just playing. Love you guys. I know God wants each of you to accomplish great things. And we don't want character flaws or heart issues to prevent that. Because God sees great potential in you. But this morning, he says, if you will yield to my spirit and you will allow me to change your heart, if you will, if you allow me to begin to change the way you think, I will make you a usable vessel that I can pour out. But you're so contaminated with, with the things that you think are valuable, where all of those things are meaningless to me, says God. He says, empty yourself and allow me to redeposit things in your life that will make you profitable in my kingdom. The things in my kingdom are not the things of this world. And the things that I value the most, the world sees as most insignificant. But he says that I will take the foolish things that the wise people of this world cannot understand and make, it, make them look foolish. Because what I'm going to do in and through you, if you are willing. That's, the, that's, that's the, the cotter pin that holds everything together. If you are willing. So this morning, I'm just going to ask you to just, if you're willing, say, Lord, I'm willing. And I'm going to close in prayer. And I'm gonna, I am going to invite the prayer team up this morning. And if there is anything in your life that you need to get right or you need a touch from God or you're saying, Lord, help me in one of these areas in my life. Or you're saying, Lord, I need, my, I need, I need to be washed by the word so that I can be all that God has called me to be. That God would do it. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.